Well, y'all ready for this morning? So this is our first time tag teaming. Uh, and what that means is you've got to say amen a lot more than you usually do. Um, so just put your amen on and your, uh, come on somebody on. Now we're excited to do this. It's going to be fun. Rochelle was nervous. I'm like, honey, you should be half nervous because I'm doing half of it. So, and you preach and you do such a good job. Um, so we've been talking about who am I, how many have been enjoying the last couple weeks and, uh, I'm glad the anointed section over here has really been enjoying it. But we, uh, we think it's really important that we, we talk about things like this uh, and we talk about our identity. Um, we have done, you know, different sermon series on grace and we'll continue to do those, but this is a little different. And we've been talking about uh, just seeing ourselves the way God sees us. And then last week, my wife did an amazing job and she talked about how community helps us define uh, and, and really see who we really are. It refines and it defines us. How many know what I'm talking about? If you were here last week, raise your hand. Okay, if you weren't, you can watch it online on our Facebook page or you can listen to it on our podcast. So let's go for it, honey. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's read this scripture, uh, Mark chapter 10, and I'm going to start in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he, shout, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're going to speak um, through your through your people this morning, through Zach and I. God, I pray that it would land on hearts open, hearts yielded, hearts ready to receive. And so um, we just pray, God, let your presence rest right now in Jesus' name. We need his mercy. We need Jesus. We're blind and we don't know it sometimes. You know, just like how Pastor Zach a couple weeks ago said, sometimes we're looking at this broken mirror. Well, sometimes we don't even realize we're blind. We're walking around the world and we can't even see. We need Jesus to reveal to us that we need to take off the blinders. We need to be able to see what life really, really looks like. How many of you ever felt that way where you can... You can maybe smell something or you can hear something, but you can't really see it for what it is. Jesus reveals how, how we can take the blinders off and really, really see. I love this, uh, this portion where it says that he threw his cloak off. I was reading a commentary and it talked about, because, you know, as a, a blind beggar, he lived in a different world, right? I mean, he lived literally in a world of darkness, well, this cloak, historically, it's very possible it was something that protected him from the weather. Mm. 
So when the weather was bad, he had this thing and it covered him and it, but he threw it aside as soon as, as soon as he, he saw. Mm. And so there's something really powerful about like the things that we use in our world of darkness to protect us. When we see Jesus, finally, it's like, it's it's no time for that now. I'm running to him. Uh, I love, you you mentioned something about smelling something. Remember we talked about this, that in Jericho, historically was a place that they made fragrances. It was actually also a place where a lot of the Levites lived. And Jesus is walking in, and it's about 15 miles from Jerusalem. But here's the thing is this guy sat outside Jericho begging. Now Jericho was known for all these wonderful fragrances. So can you imagine this guy, he can smell the fragrance, but he can't see the colors of the flowers. Wow. How many times can you smell here what God has for you, but you can't quite see it? How many times are you living in a place in your reality where it's almost not real because you can't really see it? You know, we were talking about, we um, we like to go look at model homes um, pretty much because everybody likes to dream, right? If you stop dreaming, then something's wrong. So we were just looking at these model homes that are being built by our house and just walking in, you get inspiration. You get, it's like, oh, if I could, my house could look like this and I could do this. And if the kids are and, with you, that's my room. I call this room. Yeah. We're like, guys, we're probably <laughs> we're not, not going to buy this, this house. house so. You can call whatever you want. <laughs> but get a job. No, I'm kidding. Come on, somebody. But how many know it's not a home? It's just a house. There's no life there. There's no stuff there. I always, I always think about this would be the junk drawer, this would be a junk drawer, and this would be a junk drawer. <laughs> and then I think, okay, th- if this could be my house, where would all the co- toys go? And then where would the clothes get piled up because that's just the reality of mom life right um hashtag mom life like where would all of the stuff go because this house is pretty full with all the furniture but how many know it's just a house it's not a home there's no life there there's no people there we we were talking about this earlier that uh how many love to go to coffee shops come on somebody how many don't drink coffee God bless you. I don't know how you do it. I really don't know how you do it. My wife, like the, the kids come in and, and it's time to take them to school. And sometimes Rochelle's like, someone bring me some coffee. So she needs coffee just to get up and get the kids to school. So we like to go to coffee shops and study. That's what some pastors do, you know? And sometimes they'll be like, I don't know what coffee shop to go to because we're like coffee snobs. And so we'll go to a coffee shop and they might have really good coffee, but how many know coffee shops are not cool unless there's life there, right? Like it could have really good coffee, really comfortable chairs. That's important and room to actually sit down because a lot of coffee shops are full of hipsters and there's nowhere to sit down. God bless all the millennials. And, uh, and, and so we were talking about this, that even, even a place like that, you don't, no matter how good the coffee is or the food is, if there's no people there, there's no life there, what's the point? I, I love this because we wrote this down. There's a big difference between appearance and actuality. And God, we have to come to a place where we are humble enough to say, God, I don't see things quite as clear as I know I should. In life, like in my life, sometimes we... We choose to remain in our own world, 
of darkness in the way that we see things. But how many know Jesus, we come to Jesus, we cry out, and he, and he opens our eyes so that we can see. And, and maybe we're at a place, and this is what I love, is that as we continue to walk with God, one of the, one of the worst things we could do is to think that we know God. In his unknowable essence, this is what the church has always taught about God. In his, in, in his, like he's the creator and he's always bigger than our current revelation of him. Yeah. But we should never come to a place and think that we see God perfectly in who he is. Yeah, but that we're coming to a place where we're, we're, God, give me vision so that I could see who you are in a greater way. Like there's a humility. Yeah. There's a beauty of, as Christians, we should be humble enough to say, I don't really know you know, I don't really know that much about God. Like I think I do, you know, like our theology, you know, well, man, I, you know, I have a degree in theology. You know, I love what Harold Everly says. He says, if you don't know God as father, you could have a doctorate in theology, but knowing God as father, you're light years ahead of somebody with a doctorate in theology. And so there's a simplicity of coming to God and saying, I need your mercy. Like, God, I don't have it all together. Have you ever been there before? Are you there right now? I think we're all there right now to an extent. And this is the Christian life. Like, when we come together on Sunday morning, you know my wife's message is all about transparency. If you can't be real in church, then something's wrong. Like, church is the place you you should be able to just... Open up your heart fully. You should be able to weep at the feet of Jesus. You should be able to lift your hands and sing and worship. And you don't have to put on the Pharisee robe and the religious Sunday morning attitude. How are you doing? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored, praise God. But deep down, you're broken, you're hurting, you're struggling with sins or addictions. We should be able to come to the house of God, come together in communion and say, God, I need your mercy. Jesus, I need you to come heal me. I need you to heal my heart, my vision. I need your grace. I need your love. And this is the story. This is what I see, that that there is a willingness where blind Bartimaeus hears about Jesus. He knows who he is. He's heard about him. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. I love that. It's beautiful. I feel like there's people that choose not to be a part of a community that is transparent and authentic because they like to put the mask on. Sometimes it's easier to put on your Pharisee robe and your church mask and pretend like you have it all together. It's easier that way. It's easier to go to a church where you the the worship is is not so vertical where you you bend. Does that make sense? This morning the worship was so vertical, my heart bent. It was like the bending It's easy to hear a message about how God can make your life better without you having to come authentically to him. So that's why people choose the Pharisee life, the robe, the mask. The surface. It's easier. It's easier. It's not deep relationships. It doesn't require sacrifice. And, and, and deep relationships that, co- that require sacrifice are, what do you say, they're, uh, they're impervious to pain. Yeah. Like there's a possibility when you really love someone. Love is just an idea because there's no willingness or vulnerability to pain and sacrifice and, and self-love or self-giving love. 
So if it's just an idea, you don't have to risk the pain of authentic life on life, community and reality. So people, sometimes us, sometimes we do this, we mm. choose the other because this life, this transparent, I'm, I'm by the road and I'm begging and I'm blind. Sometimes it's easier to stay there than it is to rise up. So sometimes we sell for appearance versus actuality. Yeah. What about as pastors, how mm-hmm. we made a deal with the Lord a long time ago, guys. We said, we're not going to have a gathering without your manifest presence. Yeah. You could have a beautiful building. Everything's right. Great music. Yeah. Great TV screens like this one. Pretty lights. I mean, seamless transitions, which we don't always have. We could have, we could have like, you know, everything's just smooth. Like, oh, wow, praise God. But sometimes we'll sacrifice the presence of the Lord for all of that. And, and not that God's not there, but his manifest presence where we experience it. We made a deal with the Lord a long time ago. We don't want the appearance. We want you. We don't want the shell. We don't want a model home. We want you. We want him, you know. So what about this? What about the temptation to settle for appearance because the church is going to grow a lot quicker? And, and, and it's more attractive because there's less of a risk for people. Because when you come into real community, you're fitly framed together. That means that you, there's a hammer and a chisel and you are refined and it doesn't feel good. And you're fitly framed together in the manifest presence. This is what Ephesians chapter 2 says, that we are a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. And Paul uses this language in relation to the body. You kind of touched on this last week. But that's, that's a lot easier to step into. If we're invited into this beauty of church, family, community, and it's a part of what God has for us so we can learn who we are, it's a lot more uh, appealing if we don't have to take our mask off or really be us and be who we are. So what about that temptation? You, you want to grow a church, have a nice building, great kids church, decent sounding music, and a pastor that can articulate the Bible. Keep it about Thank an you. hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes, you'll grow your church. Believe me, there is a temptation there. But I don't want to do anything without his presence. I'll risk it all for his presence and authentic relationship. We'll lay it all at his feet for the real thing. And we won't apologize for it. Let's look at John eight twelve. This is powerful. I remember this is right after the woman caught in adultery. He was probably about to preach and then he got interrupted by the Pharisees. It's a thought. And this is what he was about to say. It kind of went along with the message he just lived, which was the law said to stone this woman who was caught in adultery. And Jesus, you know what he did. He said, hey, if any of you guys don't have sin, go ahead, throw the rocks. In, in the book, it, it's titled, you know, Woman Caught in Adultery. But I heard a scholar say one time, it should be titled Men Caught Throwing Rocks. <laughs> Depending on our perspective. So then Jesus gets to his sermon right after he tells the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. And he says, when he spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world, not the light of the church. 
the light of the cosmos. You know, I was thinking about this. I'm just saying this has nothing to do. We don't have any notes about this. Sometimes I think there are people in the world that maybe you don't think they know God or maybe they don't know Jesus. It could be a homeless man or, uh, or somebody who doesn't go to church like we do. And some of those people know God a lot better than Christians that are in church every Sunday because they know how to love and they know how to be real. I told the story of the, uh, the time I got to do worship in a bar. <laughs> Hallelujah. I put it on Facebook. I got a couple messages and like, hey, everyone's asking if you drink beer, you know. I'm like, tell them, yeah, sure, I do. I receive God's gifts with, uh, you know, the, the boundaries that the scripture gives. Come on, somebody. But this is a long time ago. This is a long time ago. And, and, and so we're at a bar. I'm going to tell the story. Is that all right, honey? Okay. And uh, see, you don't realize this, even without tag team, and I ask her permission, the whole message, she's right there, and she gives me nods like a baseball catcher, you know. I'm about to throw a pitch, I'm fastball, she's like, no. So I'm at this bar, my sister's doing an event, she works for this company, they're doing an event. I know the band that's playing, and uh, they used to actually use the church I was a part of to practice a little bit. And they knew that I played uh, worship, I played guitar, and I sang. They heard me lead worship a couple times. And uh, in the middle of their set, this is a bar, it's packed out, okay? And we're hanging out, and we're just, I'm supporting my sister's event. And they're like, hey, Zach, what's up, dude? And they're in the middle, uh, in the break of their set, and they're like, why don't you go up and play a song? And now I'm in a bar with a bunch of drunk people. Right, and so he I'm like, can't play anything other than worship. That's all I know. To is this worship. day, he doesn't know anything else but worship. Whatever. And it's not bad. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. With you. you say whatever to me all the time. Okay, I can say it sometimes. So I'm thinking. Wait, there's this song that Kevin Prosh wrote called "Kiss the Sun," and you can't really tell it's a worship song, and it's got some unique lyrical things. So I'm like, I'm gonna play that song. So their bass player and their drummer join me. And I'm like, all right, this is a risk for me. I'm like, I'm about to do a worship song in a bar. I'm like, is this holy? Should I, you know? But I didn't realize what was about to happen. So I get up there, I play the song. The presence of God manifests in the bar. People are crying in their beers. A few people came up afterwards. I I broke out in spontaneous worship. I started singing to God. I'm like, there's this part of the song, though you slay me, I will trust you, Lord. It comes from, uh, I think, Job. And although I don't love that lyric, the theology behind it, it was just this heart cry of like, no matter what, God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm literally, my heart cry to the Lord is like, I'll trust you. I love you. And I start breaking out in spontaneous song. And the presence of God manifests in a bar. It was amazing. My wife was crying. Her mascara was everywhere. Come on, somebody. And people came up afterwards to us and they're like, where do you go to church? I need to get back to church. And some people were just like, what, what did you just do? Like, what was that? But we, we have to read the scripture. Jesus is the light of the cosmos, not just the church. He's the light of the world, but he wants to light up our world so that we can see better. Like blind Bartimaeus, he's the light. God, give me vision, give me sight. And it takes a place of humility. So he says this, whoever follows me, come on, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Um, 
really quick, I just saw this video, the terrible tragedy that happened in Manchester. They interviewed this homeless man who was outside of the concert, and he kept going back in to help people. And they're interviewing the homeless man, and they're like, why would you go back in? And he said, because people were getting hurt. There were little children. I had, to, I had to get them out of the situation. And I was like so moved by the compassion of a man who had no ties to anybody inside that concert. He had no stake in it, yet was willing to risk it all for it. So, so powerful. I love, I love um, what Rochelle was talking about last week. And, and I want to, let's move into that just a little bit more. Because here's what happens is when we ask God to give us vision and we ask him to shed his light in our world, what, what happens or what should happen is everything in our life is redefined. Okay, so our idea of what relationship is, our idea of what marriage is. I told my wife this week, I'm like, I've been married 18 years. I feel like I don't even know what marriage is. I'm like, I, I want to be a good husband. I want to be somebody that loves my wife. And as a husband for 18 years, I should be able to say that. And if I can't say that, I'm never going to mature in love. When God's light comes, everything, what love is? Well, what is love? Usually love for us is something that will benefit us out of an exchange, a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not self-giving love. It's not other-centered. It's actually the other, kind of the other side, like what is love, you know? So God's light comes. Let's talk about this, this beautiful invitation into community. But now everything is redefined. When we started the church, we said, Lord, I want to know what real fellowship is. I want to know what church is. What does it really look like for people to really live honest and authentic with each other in a community where you actually know the pastor and you know the person sitting next to you? Where it's not just I come on Sunday and I see your face, but I know you. I know what's going on with you. I'm invested in what cannot ever benefit me. John, 1 John 1, 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. You go. Why don't you talk about how that verse uh, changed your life and brought you into a place of freedom? You know, we're talking about this invitation in community, which is kind of scary, but it's an invitation to know our real identity because we discovered God in community, which we're going to talk about lastly in this message. But I, I want you to talk about how how freeing it is to just be yourself yeah. and how transparency is like the key to freedom. Not, not only because we get to let God shine his light in every area and love all of us, not just the us that we show people, but that's part of your message. That's one of your, 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 your voice. That's it was your voice. one of the things, the, one of the early on deal breakers for me is I cannot be a pastor's wife and not be myself. I can't do it. I can't pretend to have it all together. I can't pretend to be exactly what everybody needs. I can't pretend to always be okay. I can't do it. It will break me. And so early on, I just, I was like, okay, God, you have to bring a people that will love me for me. Where I can just be myself. And, and just, and then understanding that the scripture when it talks about, 
um, fellowship with one another, that's an interchange that we share with people. God, bring people in my life where if I share what's going on with me and they share what's going on with them, the blood of Jesus meets us there and cleanses us from all sin. There's, an, there's this exchange that happens when we are honest with our heart with each other. The blood of Jesus, it's like he, he comes right there, meets us there, and we receive his mercy and grace. In the interchange, in the exchange of fellowship. This is why there's a whole generation crying out for something real. Because we've replaced authentic relationship with programs, policies, and politics. See, God is calling people to come down, come down where the people are and have an interchange. This love that, that God has extended to us, we walk in the light as he is in the light, was a condescending, humble love. God became man. So how much more should our willingness to fellowship with one another be a humble fellowship? Like, I'm willing to see past your flaws. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to see past my offense of your flaws. Yes. This is what meekness can actually mean is looking around somebody's sin. And I'm coming with a condescending humility that I'm willing to love and serve you. And I'm willing to give you a drink. I'm willing mm-hmm. to refresh you. I'm willing to give uh, and, and see you become the best version of yourself. Yeah. That's powerful. I mean, that's like, that's what we see in this verse though is, so God has given us fellowship with himself, Mm. but it it all came through the incarnation, through this humble love. I want to talk for a minute about this right here, how we, we don't think that we go well together with people. Like I don't do, me and people don't do well. I was thinking about this, my, my daughter, Layla, who's four, um, I was eating apples and peanut butter. Come on, somebody. Honey crisp. I know I always talk about food. Just stop judging me. Look around my sin right now. Okay. It, we have a bet. Sometimes people are like, oh, I bet you he starts talking about food about 10 minutes into the sermon. And I, I'm pretty sure there's like a whole little bookkeeper in the back of the sanctuary and people are making money as long as you tithe on it. Praise God. Okay. I'm just playing. I'm not condoning gambling. So I'm talking... I'm talking to Layla and I'm like sitting there eating apples and peanut butter, these honey crisp apples with crunchy peanut butter, the texture, the sweetness, the, oh, and Layla's like, I want an apple. And I'm like, Ooh, try it with some peanut butter. She's like, Ooh, she like does this face. And I'm like, I'm thinking you little primitive human being, you have no idea what is good. You have no idea what goes good together. You know, like, like Oreos and milk. Oh, glory to God. But how many, like, strawberry and chocolate together? Strawberries are good. Chocolate's good. But put them together, whoo, glory. Layla doesn't know that yet because she's maturing. It's the same thing with community. Because we're not mature, we don't see the love, the value, and the blessing that community is. But this verse just, I mean, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. There's a real connection a real koinonia, an intimate interchange of thoughts, emotions. And this, this is a self-giving love, though. It's not a taking love. You know, and this is what church is. It's like, you know what we're doing right now? We're serving you. We, you know, that, that, like this is, this is what we do. You serve. People serve in the church. We serve one another in love. But this is what 
This is what the verse is talking about. We have fellowship. And then, and then the reality of his love is mercy. And we're, and we're cleansed. We're forgiven. And we're cleansed from all sin, even the sins that, that we hide in our heart towards one another. Yeah. That is just washed away. So Isn't that beautiful? So when we don't really understand the value of community, a lot of times it's our offense or our judgments and our criticisms. And it, what it does is it shuts your heart off from entering into the relationships. We choose to come to church so we can get what we need from God or the people or the pastor or the worship team or whatever. And so what we're doing is we're saying, I'm coming here, serve me, give to me, uh, minister to me. There's a time when you grow up and you say, I'm going to come and give. We, as people, there's a time we grow up And we say, how can I serve? How can I come and give and choose not to cut my heart off from relationship because of offense or judgments or criticisms? And I come under and I serve. Yes, that's That's good. Uh, Lastly, we're going to talk about this invitation that we've been invited into real life. Mm. So we want to know who we are. And one of the ways that happens is in community. But if we don't know who God is, we don't. We'll never know who we are. And so there's this invitation to imitate God in this, in his humility and his love and his self-giving love. Um, And let's read the scripture here. Let's talk about that. John 17, three, go ahead, honey. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Now the message says this, and this is the real and eternal Life. He wants to live real life. Come on, abundant life. The real thing. What's the real life? It's knowing who the Father is. It's knowing who God is. That that He's not like this mad, distant Papa. But He's this close, loving Father that is so welcoming that anybody can sit in His lap. And it's this beautiful, Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. And he says, this is eternal life. This is real life. Not just your life in heaven and in eternity after the final resurrection judgment and the second coming. But life beginning now. This is real life. is knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing who God is. And this is what coming to Jesus humbly and saying, Lord, I want to receive my sight. This is what happens is that we get to see who the father is and it changes everything. No wonder we're still talking about the love of God after eight years as a church. I don't think we're ever going to stop talking about the love and majesty and beauty of who our God is the reckless love of God. Troy L are we ever going to stop talking about this love that in his unknowable essence, the beauty and transcendence of who God is just completely uh, just unraveling and revealed for all eternity. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it reminds me of before time began, the Bible talks about how darkness hovered the earth and then the Holy spirit, God breathed and it was like illuminated light. And it's now the whole earth is it's, it's, there's light. It's what happens when Jesus comes for you were once in darkness, but God, For you once were, but 
the light of who God is, it just opens you up. It illuminates you. It reveals you. It sheds light. So we take off the glasses because Jesus came in. When did you invite Jesus into your heart? I was uh, five years old. Oh, isn't that just what a wonderful little Christian. I was 17. (laughs) You're so much holier than me. You are older than I am. We don't have to tell people how much older, but we're about the same. But you're more mature. Obviously. (laughs) She always throws my age in my face. I'm 41. I'm young, man. You are young, babe. Glory to God. I play baseball with my kids, and I'm sore the next day. (laughs) Big time. I was limping. Rochelle's like, what's wrong, honey? I'm like, I was playing baseball with the kids. I I dive rolled for a ball. That was just dumb. I shouldn't have done that. God God has not only asked us to invite him into our hearts, right? There's this whole understanding of the gospel. You got to invite Jesus in your heart. Very true. But before that, you've been invited into his heart. You've been invited into his life. This is the gospel. The gospel is that we've been invited to participate into fellowship with God, into communion with God. And knowing him, knowing who the true God is. He's not some monad being out there in the far universe. He's a close, but how many know Jesus came to reveal the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? This is the foundation of Christianity. But we don't, we, we shouldn't just know that as a confession. I believe in the Trinity. We should know it as reality. That means God is fellowship. God is communion. So if I know God, I know love. I know self-giving love, communion. I know fellowship. I know light. I know who he is. I, I want to, let's, let's step into that now. And talk, let's talk about this right here, honey. The Father. I want you to share it. The <laughs> Son and the Spirit. Before time existed, they did. And before time existed and before you existed, they invited you into their dance. The whole world has been invited into this beautiful dance, this life of of God. You know, um, we have a healing, our inner healing ministry. And um, you, when you go, I encourage you to do it. But one of the the things for me is when I see the Father, um, I have to have pictures of how I see God. And so I see the father and you know what it's like for me? I'm a little girl in a sundress in a field and the sun is shining and I'm dancing with my father. Whatever the world has taught me the father looks like, whatever my life circumstances or things that have happened to me or anything like that have shown me what God looks like, I go to that place in my heart. You're daddy. You love your daughter. And you're dancing with me. And I'm little. You pick me up. You twirl me around. And you you make me feel like uh, everything's okay. That's who you are. That's what we've been invited into. So how often do you dance with him? Not as often as I should. <laughs> you know, sometimes God reveals himself like that. And I, I heard something so profound this week. 
by a, a theologian named C. Baxter Kruger who teaches Trinitarian theology beautifully. And he said, sometimes we take the paintbrush of our life and we dip it in the bitterness and, and the brokenness of our soul and then we paint over the face of God with it. I wonder how many times, even in these encounters we have with God, we go back to that broken mirror, we go back to places of darkness and we go back to the familiar things instead of just remaining in this place of being loved by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. She's talking about this dance. So in the early church, they were trying to define the, the Trinity. And they're talking about how the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are unique, yet one. They're distinct, yet one. They're three in who they are, one in what they are. One God, three persons. It's the mystery of the Trinity. And they came up with a word called perichoresis. It comes from the word peri, like periscope, like a circle. And choresis, like choreography. And so one of the ways to put it is like this divine circle, this divine dance of love, life, and communion. That's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Lord, has, that's what he's invited us into in life. And when we come to him and say, Lord, I want to see, we're not just asking him to, to fill up our life and you know fill, fill this area of my heart or this part of my relationships, but literally light up our entire world because he's invited us into his world. And it changes everything. We actually see. And then we can remain in that place to participate in that love and in that life. Tell, tell them the story of our, when we fell in love real quick. Celebrating union and celebrating love. We had our first dance. We were at a wedding. It was his best friend's wedding. And um, we danced. And... Looked into each other's eyes. Slow dance. Slow danced. A gentleman slow dance. I wasn't grabbing no bootay or nothing like that. Come on, somebody. That comes after. I might have wanted to. I'll just keep it real. We're talking about transparency. (laughs) But I I, I did hold your waist. Yes. I'm not embarrassed at all right now. Listen, if you can't be real up here, guys, what can I say? I, I might be a tiny bit embarrassed. Honey, we have five kids. <laughs> yeah. I think. yeah. So we danced. Yeah. And, and then we, we had our first kiss. We had our first kiss. And it was, there was no turning back. Yeah. There was no turning back. Because we fell in love in the yeah. moment. Celebrating union and life and love. We fell in love. And there was no turning back. That's what that was happens. a really long time ago. That's what happens when we understand who God is mm-hmm. as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're in, the, in the, the sphere or the circle of this divine dance. Changes everything. Of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And we're like, and we fall in love with each other. Mm-hmm. And we actually love people. Yeah. We love humanity. You like see this humanity homeless guy. Differently. We, yeah. It just changes everything. Our entire vision of life. Mm-hmm. And then we see that Jesus isn't just the light of the church. He's the light of the cosmos. That he's working on these people's hearts. I wonder how many people we lead in a sinner's prayer, but they were saved probably before we were. Mm. When they're crying out to God on the streets or crying out to God in their addiction, pain, and suffering, you think that little special prayer you let him in is more profound to God than the cry of their heart in their deepest pain and suffering? Let's 
dance with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've been invited to participate in his life. No wonder we don't get along. It's because we don't let him love us. We don't realize how significant we really are and how close he really is. Something you said, it's by the Holy Spirit, Jesus came to reveal what the Father looks like. It all comes to what does he look like? It's all to reveal how he sees you, his heart for humanity, his heart for the world. Let's close with this verse. Are you all enjoying this this morning? Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. The first time that we see the Trinity in the New Testament. It's all over the Old Testament. It's in the the Jewish prayers. The Lord thy God uh, is one. You know? And so there's, there's all these things that point, all these shadows that point. But in Luke chapter 3, this is where we see the Trinity. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to capture this. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Are you thankful for the vicarious humanity of Christ? He had no sin, but on behalf of all humanity, he vicariously was baptized for you and I. So when we're baptized in water, we're identifying with that burial. And so he's baptized. And it says, as he was praying, heaven opened. Come on, somebody. When you pray, heaven can open because you have his spirit within you. But he says, and the, it says, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Another gospel says that it, the Holy Spirit descended and remained. It didn't happen in the Old Testament. This is totally different. Nobody called God their father in the Old Testament. Not one time is an individual calling God his father. But in the New Testament, Jesus, the God incarnate, the one and only son of the father. So you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Son, and here's the voice from heaven that comes. You are my Son in whom I am well pleased. So as we come to Jesus and say, I want to see, Lord. I want you to light up my world. And I I don't want to just invite you into compartments of my heart. I want to know that I've been invited into your heart. And, to, and called into this beautiful perichoresis, this divine dance. And then I can know who I am. I can know who I am. I can look in the mirror and say, I'm not just a pawn. I can look in the mirror and say, I'm royalty. Look at this picture. You're not just a pawn. Look in the mirror, not the broken one of your past, not the one that's been fractured by your mistake. 